It's time for Scaring and Sharing. Yeah, you do. It's the podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. Hello. Hi, Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim Rusk. How are you, Brandy Joe, the flaming Scream Queen Planbeck? You know what? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was it's it's crazy to jump right back into recording stuff after having just seen each other. In the flesh. No, we saw each other. We, I gotta tell people who may not know Jeremy. I mean, Jeremy and I were at a wedding. Neither one of us were drinking. And, um, but still, like, we both did a lot of dancing. I think I burned a lot of calories. But let me tell you all, Jeremy is a wild dancer. And he knows all the words to things. I know, like, a little bit of a chorus here and there. But Jeremy's out there just mouthing all the words. To all these wedding songs, because it was like all the wedding songs. They just didn't do any like um, line dancing, which I think they normally do at a wedding. I didn't see any of that going on. Yeah, usually there's at least some sort of line dance in there or something. But but yeah, I mean, you were rocking that dance floor, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm a dancing machine. I've you been that really way are. since I was a little kid. Um, My mom was like, you love dancing and music ever since I was a wee little baby. So. That's sweet. Yep. Uh, but we were in the Catskills for our wedding. Our wedding for our Jeremy and I got married. Mm-hmm. We got wet. We got wedded. We got hitched. No, we went for our friend Topher's wedding, and we were staying at this like really old hotel. Well, I gotta rephrase that. The hotel Jeremy was in is like from like eighteen oh four or something like that. Yes. But, like my husband and I there wasn't there were no rooms left at the inn. So we were in like a separate building on the same property that was built in like nineteen eighty five. Okay. So <laughs> it looked old, but I mean it was it had not been replenished or refurbished since nineteen eighty five, that's for sure. But not as old as yours. Also we stayed like most of the wedding guests came in like a day before we did and then like left a day before we did. So on the Sunday night we were there, Super Bowl Sunday, in fact, uh, I'm pretty sure we were the only freaking people in the building. Probably that night, at least our floor. Like I was like, there was no one else like staying on our floor. <laughs> so I didn't see or hear anyone the whole night. Um, but yeah, no ghosts or anything. I'm sad to report. I did uh, ask because you could eat breakfast there, and I did ask the waitress if it was haunted, and she said there's rumors, but she had never mm-hmm. seen anything except for like some. And then someone else came in, um, the the gal who worked the front desk, and she said like occasionally like a door would open mm. or close or whatever, but nothing particular, nothing. Yeah, no, no good stories. No, and I didn't. Usually, I'm like. Sitting there waiting to notice anything eerie or creepy or weird going on, but nah, it was just an old building. Yeah, <laughs> so, and and the hot water was horrible. So that's oh, yeah. what I, that was the most ghostly thing was the plumbing. <laughs> yep, and our building too. Joe's like, I didn't. He's like, you don't have to use the cold water at all. You can just turn hot on full and 
you're going to get as warm as it's going to get. So that's what I had to do too. And then it, the the plumbing would sometimes go and start thumping. And like, I was like, Oh great. This is awesome. Uh, and if you've never listened to us before, Jeremy and I love horror movies and occasionally rocking out on a dance floor at a wedding. Yeah. And, uh, on a general episode, we assign a movie to the other person they've not seen before. We come back, we talk about them. Uh, this week it's my birthday episode. The day this drops on Friday, February 16th, it will be my 45th birthday. And so on our birthday episode, typically, again, there's no rules here. Typically the wedding boy. The, the wedding boy? <laughs> the birthday, the birthday boy. boy. Jesus. The birthday boy gets to pick both movies. So that's what I did this week. We're also recording on Valentine's Day. So that's we are fun. recording on Valentine's Day, which I did a little um because uh Kinder Trauma, which I don't know, I don't remember if I've talked about Kinder Trauma before on here, but they are an awesome site uh on Instagram who often do really cool horror related things i love them they they're so creative they make like a board game or like what looks like a board game of like a horror movie or whatever and it it just it's they're very good so if you haven't you should follow them kinder trauma like kindergarten kinder trauma they used to they used to have a blog that I read all the time really? back in the day. Yeah, I don't know if the, I'm sure they still have a main website, but it, yeah, it used to be like a blog format uh, and they would just talk about like old movies. Like a thing they would do was name that trauma is what they called it. Oh. Uh, and people would write in with like a scary movie or a scene from something that traumatized them, but they couldn't remember what the movie was. Uh, mm. And people on the web that ran the website would try and figure it out. Oh, that's fun yeah so. it's one of my favorite things and my horror horror movie like the gay horror movie group i'm a part of on facebook is when someone comes on and it says this is what i remember from a movie what is it and i did i had a friend and now i'm trying to recall which friend it was who i think it was my friend gay john who listens to this podcast i think it was him who was like i remember this one particular scene but i don't remember the movie and i tried to like solve it for him with some help of some other gay horror fans and i don't think we ever got to the bottom of uh, it but it's like one of those things after so many years you don't know if you remember the things accurately no yeah exactly you can't tell if it it actually happened or if you made it up yeah so it's I've done just that like plenty of times I, I listen to a lot of podcasts on the 20 because that's the thing you flew to the wedding joe and i drove and our friend krista rode along with us so we were in the car a total of like 20 hours between mm. like in the course of like three days like that's a mm-hmm. lot of driving uh but we listen to a lot of podcasts and one of them is reply all which is an amazing podcast like pretty much every episode standalone and they usually um tackle some technology related something or another and the best like probably one of the best episodes ever of any podcast i've listened to is the case of the missing hit and in it this guy remembers this song (gasps) i've heard about this oh it is like the best fucking episode it is so good like i cry listening to it because i just know how it's all gonna like go and it's so good but like this guy remembers this song so vividly from his youth and he can't find like he remembers the lyrics and Mm -hmm. he can't he's googling and he cannot find it anywhere So like they end up hiring this band to recreate the song because he remembers it that well. And they bring on all these people, Rolling Stone critics, music critics, music producers, and they're playing them the song. And they're like, do you know this song? And everyone's like, no, no, no. But this one woman's like, I think he's remembering this song and this song. And over the course of time, 
his mind has melded them together to create mm. this song in his head. So it's like all the psychology of like memories and what they do to you over time and stuff. And I won't tell you how it all goes down, but you should listen to it. Again, uh-huh. it's Reply All is the name of the podcast. And I believe it's the case of the missing hit. For sure, Ooh. missing hit is a part of the title. All right. Yeah, I get so check good. That but out. like that, that's this is like spawning that in my head of like over time, the things our mind remembers sometimes like alters them and morphs them. And was it even a dream? Was it real? Mm-hmm. <laughs> also crazy. For me, like the biggest one I can think of of that was for the longest time, I remembered watching a movie, and this is appropriate for me as a kid, where I'm like, it was about this little boy who was friends with Bigfoot. Uh, and his dad was like a park ranger and I'm like, and there was like a wild tiger that was loose and blah, blah, blah. And I was telling people this and no one knew what the, you know, what the fuck movie I was talking about ever. Everyone's like, I'm pretty sure you just made that up. Or did you watch like a couple of movies and combine them? Um, and then lo and behold, mystery science theater 3000, when they first returned on Netflix a few years ago, it was the second episode. It was a movie called Cry Wilderness, and that was the movie. I started watching it, and it like caused me to like almost I almost collapsed. Like I was like, <laughs> "This is the movie." I'm like, "Validation." I'm tr- I know. I was like, "I knew I didn't make this up." I've been trying to find this movie, so Cry Wilderness, and now it's one of my uh, favorite. So bad it's good movies to foist upon people. Now that I know what it is and can yeah. find it, so yeah, there you go. That. Sometimes it comes true. Sometimes they come back again. Yes, they do. And <laughs> and of course, I was thinking just I, I was just out walking the dog before we recorded. And I'm like, Valentine's Day always makes me think of the St. Valentine's Day massacre. So and that's what was that's that? where I go. That was Al Capone just murdering a bunch of his rivals Ugh, on gangsters. the same day. Gangsters. Uh, My favorite seems, topic. Yep. Seems fitting for me. So I'm yeah. like, yep. Happy St. Valentine's Day massacre day. So another thing on the lines of like the podcast thing, we also listen to this podcast called Hoaxed, which mm. is about this. Um, it was from the like, this is not the 80s. This is like in the 2000s. There was it's over in, I want to say, Hampstead, England. And there were these two little kids who said that their like their mom and their dad had split and the mom had this new boyfriend who was very like new agey and hemp and things like that. So they had come back from this vacation and the two little kids like had gone to the cops and said that like their their birth father had um was a Satanist and had their that undergone like um satanic ritual uh mm. assault uh, SRA satanic ritual I think it's assault assault yeah. SRA Sat- yeah satanic ritualistic assault maybe assault, yeah and yeah. had said like he'd you know all these had done all these sex things and mm-hmm. that they had to drink baby's blood and dance with like the skulls of the babies and stuff and then and there were all these like um videos of like the kids telling the cops all of this but then ultimately the kids were like no our stepdad although he wasn't actually their stepdad he was like their mom's boyfriend they said he had told us that we had to tell you this and he beat us with a spoon and things like this um and they'd given a list of 175 people who were involved with this cult 175 right Mm -hmm. but ultimately the police were like okay this was a hoax because of this stepfather and the mom who were trying to get like revenge on this the the birth father and 
all these other things. But like then the videos of the kids saying the satanic ritual assault, they were released. And like across the, the world, these conspiracy theories came about that the police were covering up satanic rituals that they were happening. Like people were going to like, they released the list of the 175 people with their addresses and their phone numbers. And like people were calling in the middle of the night, like these places that like, just, it's so crazy to me, like Mm -hmm. the conspiracy theories and the, the things people will believe, even when it had been proven as a hoax, Mm -hmm. but that didn't matter. Once those videos are out there, people are like, believe the children, protect the children. Yeah, the satanic panic, man. The satanic panic, but it's not just from the 80s. Like it happened like it, it's even worse now when something like that happens because of the internet and how fast information can travel. Yeah. Oh, there are certain conspiracy theories right now that exist going on like that I'm Pizzagate. like Pizzagate. I didn't know about Pizzagate really until we this was going on and Joe was telling me about that. Yeah, Pizzagate or like QAnon and all this stuff. Like most of it is just recycled things from satanic panic. But with so wild, change out some key words and flip it around. Like most conspiracy theories, you can trace them back to like an older. They're always like rumors that just keep going back and back and back, and people just change the uh, key words and it starts anew all Which over. Even something else further goes back to like the Salem witch trials and probably something yeah. even before that. Where absolutely one hundred percent, yeah. And then yeah, there's the Salem witch trial trials, and then before that in Europe there were even earlier witch trials uh, before the ones in Salem. So yeah, it just it just keeps going back and back and back. And one of the things that it made me think about though was like, sh- let me backtrack on this podcast. Hoaxed is the name of it. It's very very interesting. I, I recommend it. It could have went on a little longer than I think it needed to. You know, I could have gone with like an episode or two shorter, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it made me wonder, like, do... So Satanists definitely exist. And that was one of the things they had. They had this guy who's like the head of some Satan church. And he would like disprove these things. He's like, this is not what Satanists actually do. Satanists don't want to murder babies and stuff. Like, we are real, but like, that's not... We don't do these things you think we do. Yeah. So it was interesting that like a head of a Satan church is out there disproving these things. And how are you supposed to believe him? Right. Yeah, I I guess so. (laughs) But like, surely this crazy shit happens. I mean, you read stuff like the, um, and these aren't Satanists, but like the, the, the girl next door, or, um, I can't remember her name, but there's a moot, there's an American crime and the girl next door, the Jack Ketchum novel novel are based on Sylvia Likens. I want to say is her name. Mm That girl who was like, left with the neighbor because her mom went off with like the circus or some shit. And they, they like just tortured her like this yes. shit happens. Oh yeah. It does happen. But and it's usually are... not by Satanists. It's usually just by like people who are like insane assholes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Cause I was going to say though, then there was that one guy that thought he was like Satan incarnate that murdered people and had them like buried in his backyard from just a few years ago. Oh. Um, I cannot remember the dude's name. Cause he had this crazy, like assumed name, like Pazuzu was part of the name he used. Uh, so, but he had like deep drug and mental health problems, but um, he was into Satan. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like the Satan churches, like the organizations that exist, 
that identify as like satanic organizations are like, you know, new age religions, I think is what you would call them is what most of them are just using the idea of Satan as like a metaphor or, yeah. uh, yeah. Um, but there are groups that are in people that call themselves, the phrasing is theistic Satanists. Uh, and what sets them apart is they make it clear that we believe that Satan actually exists and we do worship him as our deity. Uh, and that's like a whole other rabbit hole you can go down of all kinds of crazy shit. So people are wild and fascinating creatures, what they believe. So, And, you know, it makes me think like so many times, like the the cheating husband will be the one who accuses his wife of cheating on him. Right. Mm -hmm. It's so often the people who are doing the very things they accuse other people of. Yes, if that's how it all goes down. And it just makes me wonder all these like crazy people who are out there like, oh, they're hurting our children and stuff. They're the ones like beating their kids and yeah, what sexually are they molesting doing? their children. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So it's just it's wild. But I'm like, surely Satan, like what people like these crazy rituals that people talk about with like say SRA, satanic ritual assaults, like surely those things actually do happen, just probably not like people are being accused of doing well yeah i mean half the time they sound like the like kind of torture that uh accused witches were put through in like medieval times by like you know church uh representatives and bodies or nazis or, or whatever right yeah, or or even yeah and various government agencies what they've done to people in various governments like the nazis or uh you know certain totalitarian regimes have done to citizens so it's like you wonder where people come up with the shit, but it's like, oh, no, all I have to do is look at real life and people do this stuff to each other all the time. And you can be like, oh, OK, it's not a stretch to then uh, take something you read somewhere from history and then accuse somebody of doing that to people. So it's yeah, it is wild and just insane for me to like listen to, like to hear about like it's it's mm -hmm. wild and fascinating, especially when. Like there were these additional videos of these kids saying like, no, it was our mom's boyfriend who like you know, water tortured us until we said we'd say these things out loud. Like, that's out there. Like, they said that, yet everyone's holding on to these other videos that were released where they oh, said yeah. stuff. It's like... Because I'm sure plenty of people, though, were like, no, don't believe the follow-up videos because they were probably forced to say that. Right, like, right. Yeah, that's yep. the conspiracy. Uh -huh. Yeah, yep. That's what always happens in these cases where you're like, nope, they're admitting they made it up, but it doesn't jive with what people want to believe. I know. I think people want to believe there's e like evil in the world because I think it ultimately I think it makes things simple for people mm -hmm. like because so much of real life is out of our control and things that just happen for seemingly no reason that if you could point to and be like, oh, it's because Satan has possessed these people and is making them commit evil. That's more pal palatable than just saying that some people are just awful. Uh -huh. And we'll do awful things for no, you know, the motivation isn't, you can't understand it because there is nothing to understand because sometimes that's just how it is. But people don't like that. They want answers. They want something to tell them that it's good versus evil and it makes sense and it's, you know, simple to digest. They need a scapegoat for evil. Yes, exactly. That's a good title. Scapegoat for evil. Mm hmm. That could be yeah. our like expose that we do. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Oh boy, indeed. I got a new car a couple weeks ago because I had um I had totaled my other car, but mm. my license plate is 
some people who listen to this podcast probably know, and some people who know me in real life is Scream Queen. And I and I was like, what am I going to name my new car? And it's like a really dark brown. So I was like, maybe it's Hershey Kiss or something along those lines. And then I'm like, oh, my license plate is Scream Queen. It's my second car. I should name it a Scream Queen. And I've decided to name it Ginny, who is my favorite final girl from mm-hmm. Friday 13th Part 2. So my new vehicle, which is a Ford Escape, and I now have a Ford vehicle since I work at Ford. Ooh. Her name is Ginny. Wonderful. And I just wanted to share share the news of my new little girl. I love that. <laughs> That's great. But my first Scream Queen car was not named anything because that license plate came about after I'd already had that car for a while. So it should mm-hmm. have been named like, you know, Alice or Nancy or some shit. But my new one mm-hmm. is Ginny, who is my all-time favorite final girl, like it or not, played by Amy Steele. Love her. I get you know you say that, and I usually name all my vehicles too. But my current car doesn't have a name now that I think about it. Well, you better figure that shit out. Although I might just use it because the car I had before was a blue Chevy Cruze, and I called that the blue meanie. Uh, so I might just use that because my current car is also blue. So maybe I'll just call it blue meanie too. So electric boogaloo. Yep, there you electric go. Electric bluegaloo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have any news. What do you got for me? Uh, I don't have much of anything either, because just as we said, we were traveling to this wedding that kind of gobbled up a lot of time. So I haven't really been checking the news. I did see, though, that the trailer for Sasquatch Sunset is now like live on the Internet. It's all over. Like before it was just playing at the theater because I was trying to look it up on YouTube like a week ago uh, and it wasn't out yet. But now the trailer is out there. So because it's it's real. It's official releases coming up. So. I watched one movie um, Mm -hmm. that I actually forgot to mention last week. It's called Somewhere Quiet, Mm. and it is a new release, and I liked it. It's sort of a psychological thriller, uh, and but the reason I'm mentioning it more than anything is it has Marin Ireland in it, and she Mm. is becoming one of my newest favorite scream queens. I fucking just love her so much. I could watch her and everything. She's so fascinating. I find her so interesting. I've loved her ever since Homeland. I've only watched mm. the first season of Homeland, but she's in that. And I just remember being like, that woman is so good. And she's just in a lot of horror movies now. Birth, Rebirth. She's so good. She was good in The Boogeyman. Just all over the place. And of course, um, The Dark and the Wicked. Just mm-hmm. so cool. good. So I recommend it. Somewhere quiet. Check it out. Yeah, and the only thing I got was I rewatched and probably it's been on my mind since uh, we had Brett Weed on uh, and he mentioned it. I rewatched the first Resident Evil um, and that movie is having. Man, like it's following the same trajectory for me as Silent Hill, which Brett Weed also mentioned as a favorite one where it's like when it first came out, I just remember being like kind of unenthused about those movies and just being like, eh, they're okay, but kind of, you know, hokey or whatever. But for some reason, as time goes on and I revisit it, I like it more and more. So it's aging well for me, even though some of the special effects are like whatever, but I'm just, I don't know what it is, but same thing with Silent Hill. Every time I watch the original Resident Evil, I'm like, I like this a little more than the last time I watched it and what I remember of it. So, and that's Mila Jehovovich or whatever. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, when she jump kicks that zombie dog in the head, this is just pure cinema right here. That's cinema. That is cinema. I've never seen it. It's if uh, I have, I don't remember it. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think I think it's a pretty solid little zombie sci-fi, you know, kind of haunted house-ish because they're trapped in one location the entire time with all these creatures. So it's uh, it's a wild ride, really, at the end of the day. Okay. It's pretty ridiculous and over the top. And I feel like the rest, like, I don't. I've seen just a couple other entries in the rest of the series, and I feel like after the first one, they just become totally batshit crazy and uh, uh, ridiculous. But that first one, I think, is still kind of a fun ride. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Should yeah, we that's... read some terrograms? Yeah, let's read those terrograms. Okay. Do you want to kick us off? I'll kick us off. The goth botanist, Lauren, Lauren, has written in, and she says, Haunted houses. I think the Others and The Conjuring, despite the whole demon thing, are heavy contenders. They're two totally different movies, so it's hard to call. I remember my high school brain being shocked by the ending of The Others, and it was one of the second-hand videos I had to buy from Blockbuster. Poltergeist was a pivotal movie of my childhood, but the recent revisit didn't earn any extra scary points, but I still love it. I don't think Tess even got creeped out by Poltergeist, but she did cover her face a lot during The Conjuring, so that movie definitely keeps kicking. The Woman in Black was pretty good too, though the sequels declined, as they often do. It was also a good chance for Daniel Radcliffe to pull away from his Harry Potter identity. Damn it, now I want to go figure out what other Haunted House movies I need to rewatch. Definitely not house. <laughs> and I'm like, I know you love house. Yeah. Well, it depends on the house, oh, wait, right? Which one, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I was going to say yeah. house from the eighties. The American one to me is a guilty pleasure. Like it's, no, it's I, tr- I tried and I just couldn't. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a great movie, but I have nostalgia because I remember it from my childhood. Now, house the Japanese movie. Now that one. That one is <laughs> I didn't trip. even think it. Yeah, I didn't even think of that when we were talking about haunted house movies, which it technically is. Um, but it's also a psychedelic head fuck. So if you're into that sort of thing, you might like Hausu, but I know. And if you're talking about like uh, not mind fucks, but the one I didn't talk about when we were talking about haunted house movies was the orphanage, which is so fucking oh, good. That's right, the orphanage. Which... There really are just so many. Like, and that's the thing. Like, I just it feels like since the conjuring, like the first one even the second one which i like that there just hasn't there haven't been a lot of really good haunted house yeah. movies and, and you, they're th- one of my favorite genres when they're done well yeah you mentioned the orphanage and then that makes me think guillermo del toro the devil's backbone they yeah failed to mention that one too that's another solid haunted house movie yeah and i just don't remember it i need to i need to rewatch. yeah i don't remember the plot I remember it's one of those movies where, you know, leave it to Guillermo, of course. I remember the imagery, and that's what stayed with me is the the ghost boy particularly. Uh, I thought was pretty eerily done. So not as eerie as the orphanage, so I'm just gonna say that ghost is fucking creepy. Oh yeah, that one's weird too. Is that so. like that that um what kind of bag is that? Like it's a potato like a, sack? Yeah, it's like a potato sack with Ooh, like so yeah, creepy mask. So yeah, that one's creepy. creepy. Yeah. Yeah, that movie's so, so good. I need to rewatch it. I remember not. I, know, I want to re you don't being, remember liking it? Yeah, I remember well, not hating it, but just being kind of like, it was okay, but I'm not oh sure because everyone has talked it up to me since, and I'm like, I gotta rewatch this thing, figure out what my problem was. That I seriously, <laughs> what is your problem? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, thank you, Lauren, and yes, I can't wait to give you the Woman in Black because like mm. it's so wild that you've not seen it. But my now that Lauren just talked about this with Tess, but like my nieces also were not phased by Poltergeist. The, the I think the thing that they were most creeped out by was the guy 
clawing his face off, which I think is the silliest effect now. I mean, it still looks good, uh-huh. but it just it doesn't hold up. Yeah, no, it looks very silly now. It does. Like, just like when it pulls, like, back to its face after, like, seeing this stuff fall in the sink, which is so gross. But, like, and then you can just tell it's, like, a dummy. Yes, it's, you know, very similar. There's a similar scene in the original Terminator, uh, where it's the scene where you learn that he's, you know, a robot underneath because, like, part of the skin falls away. Uh, And that is very clearly a dummy of Arnold Schwarzenegger's head in that shot. And it looks so hokey now. So, so hokey. All right. Well, thanks, Lauren. And now I have one from Teacher Drew, who writes, Hello, scare boys. Hope all is copacetic. At present, we have been experiencing the torrential rains that are hitting California. Not a fan. In that vein, what weather-related horror movies come to your mind? I instantly think of The Shining for obvious reasons. About a prior episode, I definitely believe both Godzilla and disaster movies are horror. Monster movies are literally the epitome of horror, and in disaster movies, nature is waiting to strike like a psycho killer. I have been finishing the Netflix series School Spirits, so far, I'm into it. I mean, it's no, it's no Mike Flanagan, but I dig it. Have you seen it? Also, I rewatched the Belko Experiment. Crazy fun, yet disturbing. What are your favorite workplace horror movies? I like Cabin in the Woods. To wrap it up, I'm with Jeremy on my, on my love of Dune. The novel and both movie versions are most excellent. That's all for now. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay you. Teacher Drew in Phoenix. Thank you, Teacher Drew. Oh, another Dune fan. I love, love that. love a Dune fan. We are out there. Yeah, what work-related Yeah, workplace. That's, that's an interesting one now, to I think about. Now, I watched an, a one recently that I'm pretty sure you said you haven't seen, The Conference. I haven't seen it, yep. It's like sort of, here's the thing. I think a lot of those movies usually are like horror comedies, are typically how they are. I've not seen The Balco mm-hmm. Experiment. Have you seen it? No, I know of it, but yeah, I haven't seen it. I feel like it's a dark comedy, but I don't know that 100%. I think it is. I think it's like a very dark comedy, but uh, But that's like the conference is also like it's gory and it's definitely a horror movie, but it has some comedic elements and even Cabin in the Woods, which you don't know it's like an office horror Mm -hmm. movie for a while, but then it kind of is like that sort of work related thing. I really remembered enjoying i haven't seen it since it like first came out and it was one of those like straight to video on demand movies but i rather enjoyed blood-sucking bastards Mm. uh which was a vampire set office horror comedy and it has a uh uh early starring role from uh pedro pascal oh love yeah before he blew up so i knew of him back then from seeing that movie died no not like Blue. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yeah I, if there's other work ones that we should know, workplace horror, I want to know. And then there was another one I remember called Severance. Oh yeah, uh, I've not seen that. The the British one where it, they're on like a company uh yeah. team building retreat and there's some crazy maniacs out there after them. So that's that's an interesting one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not seen that. Yeah. Um now let's go into Teacher Drew's other uh, question, which is what weather-related horror movies come to mind? Well, if he's going to say that disaster movies count, then Twister is like top of the. Oh, yeah. you know, Did it's you way see the trailer there. for Part Two? Yeah, Twisters. Oh my god! I think <laughs> it looks good. Joe was like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Oh my god!" He's like, "I didn't like the first one." I'm like, "Oh my god!" I love the original so much. Mm-hmm. No, we've talked about it on here. We have a mutual love of that. 
Yes. Yeah. Twister's great. Um, I don't know. I mean, you can kind of stretch the boundaries there. Like the thing uh, is oh, pretty good. For sure. You know, yes. of course, I would call that weather related because there's, you know, snowbound. Um, I don't know. What else is there? You probably I know of one that ravenous isn't that weather related? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because they're trapped in a blizzard through most of that as well. Yeah. Ravenous. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, 30 days of night. If you're into that, there's mm-hmm. one for you. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, sort of how it came up. Lots of people loved Frozen. I didn't love Frozen. Not, of course, the Disney one, but the one where yeah. they're stuck on the stuck on the ski, ski lift. lift. Yeah, Not I was I wasn't crazy about that one either. No. Um, um let the right one in. Ooh, mm-hmm. love love that, and love let me in. Not as much, but it has some great scenes. You like let me in? Um, yeah, it was not terrible, but. Let the right one in is much better. Oh, it is. There's just that amazing scene with the car driving backwards and let me in. I know I've talked about that on here before. It's so it's just it's so fucking good. Yeah, no, let me in was a good movie, just not as good. Yeah, not nearly as good. And you love that one with uh, zombies, right? Isn't there? Mm. Oh, wait, I was thinking of um, the zom- Nazi zombies. Isn't that Dead Snow or something? Oh, Dead Snow. Yes, Dead Snow. Yeah, those are good. Both the Dead Snows. Uh uh, and then um, I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things about Crawl. And oh, I know yeah, that yeah. I was going to mention it. You've not seen it. I like yeah. Crawl. And it, that's during like a hurricane, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's a and good I, one. Yeah. So I'd, I'd heard people rave about that one. So I want to check that out sometime. Yeah, it is. It is good. I Joe and I watched that together and I think we both liked it. I, you know, it's nothing fantastic, but mm-hmm. better than because I think that's. Aha or Aja. Aja? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aja, Aja Alexander. Yep, yep, yep. I'm pretty sure that that's him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are and Snowpiercer, does it actually take place in the snow? Uh yeah, it does. I've not sort seen of. That. Yeah, Snowpiercer. That'd be a good one too to throw on there as a as a thriller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are those are some. Some weather-related ones. A lot of them are snow-related. I think we're snow-fixated. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Right on. All right, well, thank you, Teacher Drew. And everybody, if you want to write us, you can, scaringasharing at gmail.com, or follow us on Insta, scaringasharing. Oh, and where? Uh, Anything else before we get to our films? No, I think that's it. So I obviously take uh, a list of movies you haven't seen. And I, I just, I remember sort of being like, what can I get for my birthday? We love a good theme. You gave, what was yours last huh? year? Last year was Bigfoot movies. Yes. is what I did. Yeah. That was my theme. And then the, I think the year before that I did just, uh, what did I call it? Like rubber monsters or something like that, where I used movies that had guys that played monsters in like costumes. Okay, and the yep. last year I didn't have a proper birthday episode because we saw Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. But, yes, which was so bad. Which so this reminds year, me, the trailer Blood and Honey Two is out there, and it does it not is. look any better. So, okay, well, I'm <laughs> not surprised. Uh, but I, on my list, I was like trying to see what could theme well together, and so mm-hmm. I've decided to go with what I'm calling obsessive femme fatales Ooh, because yeah. I think we're going away. You know, I, from everything I know, from calling like crazy bitches or crazy women, like th- those are not great names. So I th- I liked the combination of obsessive femme fatales. Does that mm-hmm. does that seem fitting for these films? That seems incredibly fitting. Great. 
They both came out the same year, which was not my plan when I Holy assigned crap. them to you. Wow. One okay. came out in January, which is the one we'll start with, and that is The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. If you don't want to hear about this and want to skip to single white female, look in the podcast notes. It will tell you where to go. Um, and also, these movies are like 33 years old, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we're going to be riddled with spoils. So if you haven't um, watched them, go watch them, come back, or don't watch them, whatever you want. I don't care. Um, it's your life, not mine. So The Hand That Rocks the Cradle from 1992, directed by Curtis Hansen of yeah. 8 Mile fame, right? And what else you, did he do? The director of 8 Mile and I can't remember. I LA just Confidential? Also, yeah, LA Confidential. That was it. Like the weirdest filmography I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Seriously. And the tagline on Letterboxd is, trust is her weapon, innocence her opportunity, revenge her only desire. <laughs> And the description is a suburban family chooses seemingly sweet Peyton Flanders as their newborn's nanny. Only much later does the infant's mother, Claire Bartell, realize Peyton's true intentions to destroy Claire and replace her in the family. The nail-biting suspense builds quickly in the chilling psychological thriller about deception and bitter revenge. Ooh, boy. Both of these movies are grounded in my having seen them in the movie theater as a 12 or 13 year old child. Mm -hmm. So as a grown man watching these films, what was your take on the hand that rocks the cradle? Well, first off, I think I can safely say this about both these movies. They're both utterly ridiculous, really ridiculous wise. But this one, this is one that felt I think I've said this before about various movies. But this one really feels like just a big budget lifetime movie. Like, absolutely. Uh, had this come out later, I think it would have been made for Lifetime Channel uh, with less money. But instead, you know, it came out in the early 90s when this was the type of thriller that was popping up, it feels like, in uh, in theaters all the time. I think this um, movie walked so Lifetime could run or whatever. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Both of these movies, really. Just r- really, the setup is totally absurd, I think. Like, what a ridiculous premise for a movie. Like, just from out the gate, the first 14 minutes, I'm like, what? Is, this is crazy, the uh, progression of events that are happening right now. So in case you've not seen it and you just don't care to go off and watch it, Annabella, she... I don't know how to joke and say her name so well. Shiora, Shiora, we'll just call her Claire. Claire is pregnant. The Bartels, she already has a little daughter, but she goes to see a doctor for a checkup and he sexually assaults her. Mm-hmm. She comes forward with it, which is like all like this is all, you know, this is how things should go. If you are sexually assaulted, please tell somebody. And he gets busted and all these other women come forward. He kills himself. And then this was what I thought was a reveal later, but you automatically know. That Rebecca de Mornay, who's yeah, plays the character Peyton, is also pregnant because of all this that goes down. She realizes she's she's, gonna, she's, she's the doctor's wife. Yep, the she's doctor's the doctor's wife. wife. And she goes at she loses her child because she like miscarries. And so she goes after the Bartels essentially to ruin and, their life. And her assets are frozen. And because... her assets are frozen because of everything that's gone down with her husband. Yep. Who has killed himself. So, but I thought that was all a big reveal, but it's happened in the beginning. No. You know everything. It starts, it's right from the beginning. And also the fact that she was like, this makes me want revenge instead of like <laughs> being pissed at her awful husband right. uh, who did all of this. She's instead like angry that she 
made him kill himself in her mind, I guess. I don't know. Because unlike single white female, because I'm just going to have to talk about these sometimes together while we're talking about them. Unlike single white female, there's no... We don't find out about any past with Peyton where she's done, but it makes you think she must have been not necessarily as bad as her husband, but she must have been a fucking asshole like her husband as well to have this happen, to To go off on this family, on this one family. I mean, of course, the woman who was the whistleblower, right, on Mm -hmm. her husband, but she goes after her in particular and is like, I'm going to ruin this fucking family. Yeah, it, it, it's it, and it was wild to see the doctor in the beginning is played by John Delancey, uh, who's like a big character actor for a couple of fandoms I'm part of is number one of Star Trek fame. He plays the character Q uh, in Star Trek The Next Generation and then, you know, various Star Trek iterations okay. after that. So I was like, oh, Q, he's the doctor. And then he also had a supporting role in a, a couple seasons of Breaking Bad. Uh, as this really uh, very heartbreaking character. So uh, it was wild to see him as this utterly repulsive doctor, like for a few minutes in the beginning. And I was like, no, John Delancey, don't do it. <laughs> oh, and it's creepy. Yeah, like, it's, it's a so fucking scene. creepy. Yeah, it is. They got that. Ugh, yeah, skin crawlingly bad. Now, these movies are both rated R. I'm pretty sure this is rated R. I wish Letterboxd doesn't tell you the rating, does it? No, it doesn't. So, that's so weird. Why they, wouldn't it tell you? They both have it to be rated, rated R. Yeah. yeah, Because she there's some boob in this. Not as much boob as in Single White Female. Single White Female is boobs to the max. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that. But here you definitely see Rebecca De Mornay's boob. And then there's just all that also. There's a couple F-bombs. One really fabulous one. And there is... um. The sexual assault, which, you know, is Mm -hmm. it's just gross and, you know, of course, hard to watch as any sexual assault should be. Uh, But yes. So and this movie was number one for four weeks in a row, came out in January. So they probably Mm -hmm. thought nothing was going to happen with it. Definitely like this fatal attraction watch. So this movie could run. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That analogy. I don't even know if that is a thing, but that's what I'm saying. Um. But but yes, like this movie, like I, I remember watching it, but yeah, it it did well. And I mean, you know, people fucking came out to see it. Yeah. And then you got uh, Ernie Hudson uh, in a or Ernie uh, Hudson. I mean, he's yeah. good. He's but good. He's playing like a person yeah. with, with it, a disability. It's, it's definitely a role that nowadays modern sensibilities and rightfully so we would look for some representation there. Um, however, I do think Ernie Hudson, for what it's worth in this role, does a good job of yes. not being super reductive with the character he's trying you know it, it is uh he, they he, he feels like a real person uh and not uh he really does not there is some stereotype in there unfortunately but it, it's not overt uh and i don't know i just thought he was he he really uh touched me that character so i thought he did a good job with it and i love ernie hudson of course he's a ghostbuster so anytime he's on screen i think in my mind when ernie hudson shows up i'm like he's here to save the day he's a ghostbuster (laughs) he's gonna help so that's automatically where i go to and this movie also stars julia moore and probably one of her first movies and yeah. her death is utterly ridiculous. Yes, like, talk about it just is. like, what are you talking about? She is killed by a greenhouse. Yes. Okay. Oh my god. But she is like magnetic in her role too in this. Like, She's so good. Yeah. Like she show. You're like Julianne Moore, and she just shows up and is like takes charge. And yeah, you know she's gonna be a movie star. Like, but it's wild. Like I could. 
It's just, it's so ridiculous. Like, how would you think that that would kill somebody? Like, sure, mm-hmm. it's going to damage them. Like, so Peyton rigs the, the the greenhouse so that this, like, the the ceiling, like, essentially, like, collapses and mm-hmm. breaks glass on whomever, you know, comes across it. And it just happens to be Julianne Moore's character, Marlene. That- that moment felt very Jallo-esque to me. Like, that's totally something Argento would do, like, in one of his movies. Uh, and in fact, sort of did in Suspiria, I totally. feel like, uh, where you're like, okay, it's very cool, but I'm not sure that would kill a person. But, you know, it Yeah, it there would have here... been something that came along with it, like some yeah. metal beams or yeah. something. Or, like, just put her in the hospital. Like, I'd buy that. A hundred percent, right? Yeah, like but you get, she's, like, she's just stone cold dead. She's just dead. I love it. She's just laying there like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> um, and that, so here's the thing. I don't know if Annabelle Shiora is actually very good, but she's in this movie from the 90s called The Cure about mm. this little boy who has AIDS and she is his mom. Mm. And I fucking love that movie. Brad Renfro's in it. Oh, R.I.P. Love Brad Renfro. And it's mm-hmm. just like this movie that like always had my heart. I loved it so much when I was a kid. And so I love her because of that movie because she's just, I love watching her cry. I don't know why. I just think she's a very good crier. Mm-hmm. But this movie also stars Chekhov's Inhaler. Yes! <laughs> a for real Chekhov's Inhaler, not a fake one like in 30 Days of Night. Right, right. <laughs> but the best use of the F-bomb here. So... Peyton is like ends up coming into the household and she is the nanny for the new baby. And she loves the little daughter, Emma, played by Madeline Zima, who is in the collector. Now, wait, have you seen the collector? Yes. Okay. She's in that first one. Um, mm-hmm. and I remember being like, how do I recognize that girl? Because she's the little girl from this movie. And she was also in the show Californication. That's oh. how I that's how I recognize her. Oh, with David Duchovny. Yes. Oh. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh and I, I like her. She's so cute in this movie. She reminds me of the little girl who played Matilda. What the fuck mm-hmm. is her name? But yeah, oh, she reminds yeah. me of her. Like they could have been sisters back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, she's getting bullied. And so Peyton, as the nanny, is like, show me which boy. So she goes over to the kid <laughs> and she's like, don't you ever, like, whatever, make fun of Emma or don't treat her like shit. She's like, Earl, rip your fucking head off. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and she so twists good. his arm. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, it's God. so good. I love that it. That was fun. I love a bully getting their comeuppance. Yep. Always Which, good. I mean, ultimately, Peyton is the bully, the main bully. Yeah. And she does get it. She gets mm-hmm. it in the end. And Matt McCoy may not be, like, a terrific actor. He's the dad, but he is so fucking hot. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And I was trying to remember, like, what movie did we watch with him? And it was Abominable. Oh, he's in that movie. You're right. And I thought he was hot in that one, too. Yeah, and that was for my birthday, my most recent birthday episode. So we just got to find a way to get Matt McCoy in every (laughs) Every birthday episode. episode. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, no, he's um, he's he's great in this, I think. Like like you said, he's not like an amazing actor, but he's good for this role and he does a good job in this movie. So Yes. And while I, I already mentioned Fatal Attraction, the the poster also is very reminiscent of Fatal Attraction with like this tear of like the family <clears throat> picture. Yep. And then like Rebecca De Mornay's like behind it. Like it's very has a very fatal attraction feel. Absolutely. But it's like taking Fatal Attraction and be like, okay, well, it's not going to be enough fair, but we're going to, you know, still have this, this, you know, this femme fatale, as I'm yeah, calling her. Femme fatale um, and discord in the family. And discord within like a tearing a family apart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And I like that. I like that they didn't delve into the whole, like, she's going to try and... I mean, like, she, she, put tries. Mo- she put moves on him, but I like that the movie wasn't like, oh, he's going to go for it and add that layer to it. Like, I, I like that they uh, didn't go that route. It just, that's so played out, I think. Uh, and even though this movie's from like 30 years ago, I'm glad that they had the idea to be like, let's do something different uh, with what we're doing here. So, yeah, I just I, I I do think it would have been more powerful if you would have realized or come to find out who Peyton is while Julia Moore is looking into it. And then furthermore, like, while like if she starts yes. the, the discovery and then if the mom like um, if Claire. Claire Bartel then like finishes out and then you find out who she is like that just feels like it would have been the stronger choice to make yeah I feel like where they try to build the tension is the fact that you know who she is so that when she shows up pretending to be the nanny you think she's just gonna start killing everybody like immediately like that's the way they set it up like because she has that moment with the baby where she has the pillow and you're like oh she's just gonna kill the baby and like but you're like, no, she's doing something fu- more insidious. But yeah, no, I think it would have worked better had we never seen the woman's face in the beginning or or like or, or, they found- or that's just my mind and how movies are these days that it would never be like this. You yeah, would, it would always be a reveal, a twist. Yeah. yeah. And or, here the twist has already happened. Or she like had plastic surgery or something and changed her <laughs> look like they could have done something to t- throw you off the trail. Wait, have you ever seen The Girl Most Likely To with Stalker Channing? No. I think it's something similar. Like, And Joe showed it to me once a long time ago, and I don't remember completely. But, like, Stalker Channing, it was like a TV movie, I think. And she gets, like, bullied or made fun of or something. And I think she gets, like, plastic surgery and comes back and, like, kills the classmates mm. who, like, tortured her. Cool. I'm on my list for you. Excellent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this movie is like silly fun, but like at the time as like a, a young teenager or almost a teenager, like a, a preteen, a tween, I definitely like loved this movie. But also I saw both of these movies in the theater. Like I was like 12 or 13. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of wild. It's kind of intense. Yeah. I mean, not I w- like these are like crazy, like violent films. I mean, there no. is some violence. It is more than anything, the subject matter. Yeah, at 13, I would have thought both of these are, like, freaky as hell, so. Yeah, I definitely did. Definitely loved them both. They were, like, my generation's Fatal Attraction. You yeah. Because yeah. Fatal but- Attraction, I didn't see until I was this age, and because of these movies, I heard about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? exactly. And yeah, and so this movie, I mean, I mean, both of them really feel of their era, early 90s uh, thrillers. But, um, yeah, this one is silly fun. That's really the best I can put it. Yeah. I don't know that I have anything else to say about it. Do you? No, not really. I think that kind of covers it. All right. Well, out of um, five wind chimes, how many do you give the hand that rocks? That nefarious wind chime. Uh, (laughs) Out of five nefarious wind chimes. Thank you. I'm going to give it a solid three. That's exactly what I'm giving it. I'm giving it three as well. So we have a... That's a scare of approval right there. It is. It is. It is not like because that's the thing. It's it's silly and fun, but it is not a great film by any means. No, it's not. Rebecca DeMornay is fun in it. She's a a solid, a solid villainess. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, too. Like the early 90s was a weird time for movies in that like 
everything was real like sterile feeling and like because like there's no clever camera work going on and that you know there's it just is shot like it's a tv show pretty much and i feel like both of these movies are suffer from that and i feel like the 90s just for some reason that's what they started doing for a while like uh and i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why well what was going on cinematographers why was everybody shooting everything just like a standard television like you know two camera setup thing for some reason so exactly so yeah. true yeah all right well now we're moving into later that year with single white female directed by barbette schroeder i think that's how you say the name barbette mm-hmm. Barbet? sure and this is uh let's see uh the tagline is living with a roommate can be murder <laughs> And the description is attractive Manhattanite Allison Jones has it all a handsome beau, a rent controlled apartment, and a promising career as a fashion designer. When boyfriend Sam proves unfaithful, Allison strikes out on her own, but must use the classifieds to seek out a roommate in order to keep her spacious digs. And that's it. That is like not, that's like the beginning of the description. Yeah, that's just the so, beginning. In case you've not seen this, then she finds a roommate. Who ends up trying to take everything from her, including her look. Yep. <laughs> so this movie. Uh, tell me. Tell you. Tell you. Uh, I don't think I enjoyed this nearly as much as The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. With this movie. Like, because this movie just feels scuzzy and gross like there's something about this movie it's probably the fact that they're just like we're gonna show you their boobies every like oh my god 10 minutes for no reason many boobs for no reason though they're just walking around naked sometimes and you're like what does this even serve other than to show their boobs off like i don't understand what's going on here to its credit though i will say you do see steven you see steven weber's peen yeah, and, and Stephen Weber of all people, like just I was like Stephen Weber, like he's so <laughs> down and dirty in this movie. I was, I don't know. I guess uh, I have a d- very different Stephen Weber in my mind from the stuff I've seen. <laughs> from so that Wings. was a yeah from Wings. So this was a shock to watch this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, there, there's just something scuzzy about this movie, uh, and I did not like any of the characters i disliked everyone in this movie uh so that kind of made it hard to like get engaged because i'm like i don't care what happens to any of you because you're all awful to me uh even our lead even our lead in this the, the problem with it is she doesn't so much feel as a character as she's just somebody there for things to happen to uh which was kind of disappointing to me where i'm like i feel like if they made a remake of this, they would strengthen this character up and do something, you know, different with it. But she feels very like passive throughout this movie where she's she's just there as a plot device to have shit happen to her. Now, so. there is uh, a sequel called Single White Female to the Psycho, which was like mm. direct to DVD. And then there was like a loose remake, although I don't think they call themselves that called The Roommate, I think with. Um, oh, OK. Uh, shit. I can't remember. Uh Leeton Meester, I think, is like the the like the the crazy roommate. Um, I never saw it either mm-hmm. of those, but I've heard they're both very very bad. Yeah, I heard um, the sequel to this is terrible. So. Yeah, oh, it looks bad. But like, how could you not like Graham, the gay roommate? Are you a homophobe? Like, what's going on? I oh, love well, Graham. yeah, he Graham's great, but <laughs> I mean the main cast. No, Graham is except Graham is like listening to everybody, so that's a little. Well, creepy. How, I mean, if I had like if I had events that I could hear everything, I'd be listening to. 
Yeah. Well, I wouldn't yeah, be telling true. them I could hear them having sex. I yeah, no, he shouldn't have that. told her, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's he's like the one redeeming because there's barely any characters in this though. Like there's only a handful of characters. But so he's like the one good guy, but everyone else is like, I don't know. Just it's weird. And Jennifer Jason Lee, I mean, she's so good at just being like gross. Uh, because I I'm like, well, this is a perfect role for her. It makes sense because she's really good at playing that sort of character see and that's to me what elevates this movie i love her so much i like Mm -hmm. her better as a femme fatale than i do rebecca de mornay because i just i think she her choices are just so like i just love them like i'm just like i just find everything you do so much more interesting to watch whereas rebecca de mornay is a very subtle yeah it's much more withdrawn yeah this is she like bashes the fuck out of like uh um, you know, uh, um, a bathroom stall or whatever. But I just, I think Jennifer Jason Lee is just so fun to watch. I just like, I just think mm-hmm. I can just like chew her up like in the best way. I'm just like, oh fuck yes, you get in there. You, I mean, the best kill in this. If we're gonna talk about the greenhouse kill for Julia Moore, the best kill here, of course, is a stiletto through the eyeball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good, mm-hmm. and I remember so vividly because I got Entertainment Weekly back in the day. And I loved it every week. And it was, you know, so cheap to get it for a year. Uh-huh. I remember like in like the spring or summer movie preview. And there was a picture of Bridget Fonda on the floor, like reaching towards like the, the stiletto heel with like a blood around like the base. I oh, remember okay. looking at that picture so vividly. And I remember the trailer that like they rip the, the, the tape off her mouth and she's like be careful she's crazy or whatever Uh like i just like i there's this movie made such an impact and maybe because it was so scuzzy and i was so young and like just like was like oh fuck that movie was like so crazy but like watching it now i didn't think that i didn't i wasn't like oh how scuzzy i mean i did think there's a lot of boobs in here but i Uh thought that's just the the gay wad in me just thinking that you know well i mean no i was like there's a lot of boobs in this like but i was like why though it's not it seems weird (laughs) that they crammed it in there i know because it would have been one thing had jennifer jason lee just come in and be like because there is a little bit of that she's like just taking off her top in front of bridget fonda but then you also see bridget fonda naked a whole lot like it'd be one thing Mm -hmm. if jennifer jason lee was the free spirited like i'm gonna get naked and i'm very comfortable with my sexuality but it's like both of them they just mm-hmm. have to show us them get naked all the time. Yep. And, and then this movie also has a really uncomfortable uh, sexual assault with Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day, of all people, where another character actor that I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, Stephen Tobolowski. Uh, Tobolowski. Yeah, yep, yep. He's, he's a fun little character actor. And actually, another character actor from Californication. Really? Yeah. So oh he God, was in that, that for a few seasons. So weird. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. This movie, though, one thing I did enjoy is there were moments where it like walked up to the line of being almost Cronenbergian. Because uh, it did remind me sort of of early Cronenberg. Uh, had this had a more explicit like because the idea of her like taking the the look and identity of her roommate is sort of a body horror esque uh, turn of events. So it's like, oh, it's getting there. Like if something more fantastical was going on, this would feel very much like an early Cronenberg movie. It also reminds me of Influencer. Like I feel like yeah, Influencer bit, would yeah. not exist without this movie. I mean, it probably sure. would, but like it takes this sort of idea and t- like 
turns it on his head a little bit, you know? Yeah. But yeah. it is very similar in lots of ways. And this movie sort of became vernacular. Like people weren't like, oh, you're going to hand the rocks to the cradle of me. But there was, people would say, oh, are you going to, I'm going to be single by white females. Female? Yeah, exactly. Like, like that was you say like that. a term. And I hadn't even seen the movie, but I understand what it means. You know, yeah. like people know that in the lexicon, what that also, means. Also, why does she need, like the book is called SWF Seek Same. Like, are you a racist? Why do you need to also be with another single white female? Yeah, what the you hell? Know, Allison, like, what the fuck, you racist? <laughs> I mean, I in this one, it does not actually say that. I think her ad says, like, single white female seeks other female or something. Like, that's what the ad says. But the, the, book, the book called that. I'm like, okay. Mm. Rude. Yeah. But this movie, like... I don't know. I just, I, I love Jennifer Jason Lee. I love, love, love Dolores Claiborne. I mm -hmm. love seeing her play unhinged characters because I just find her fascinating and I could watch her do that all day long. And that's oh, yeah, no. why I like this movie more than oh, I like okay. Rocks the Cradle. Plus wow. I just, I find it just that little, and like you said, I guess sleazy, but mm -hmm. it just feels more like something I want to go to the movie theater and watch. Yes, Hand the Rocks of Cradle feels like Lifetime. This feels like late night Cinemax. <laughs> yes, this is definitely, yeah, absolutely. This does feel like late night Cinemax. And uh, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think. I thought I had something else, but oh, and and they kill the dog. And I know. Does the dog die? Yes. And that, that scene is horrible because that dog is so cute. Yeah, that fucked me up pretty bad about this movie. So that's where uh, I'm like, yeah, I mean, and I love the concept. Like, I love the idea of the plot. It's just for some reason, the execution uh, and certain elements. I was like, I, I don't think I'd ever watch this again. But um, Jennifer Man, Jason I've Lee. I've watched it quite a few times. Yeah, <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee does a great job. I'll give her that for sure. Because she's a, she's a great character actor. No, um, I don't love Bridget Fonda. I've never been crazy fond of her. Granted, I would take her over like Julia Stiles any day. But sure. one of the reasons that I don't like her is a very specific thing. And that is I loved the book, A Simple Plan, so, so, so mm. much. Have you read it? Mm -mm. Did you see the movie with like Billy Bob Thornton? I haven't. I haven't seen the movie either. Oh, my God. Well, the movie's fine. But Bridget Fonda plays this character. Sarah Mitchell and it in the book she is such an evil wonder like oh she's such a an awesome character I mean awesome she's like a total like you hate her but she's like just so such a good villain mm -hmm. and Bridget Fonda was just not the right person for her in the movie and it pissed me off so much my husband okay. too but like the book is so fucking good and it's Sam Raimi I'm so shocked you have not seen that no, that's one How of the few. Possible? It's one of the few in the Raimi uh, filmography that I've not seen. So yeah, Scott Smith, I think, wrote it. Who also did the Ruins. Okay, so, like it's like just like a, the book was so awesome. I think my husband encouraged me to read it, and I was like, "This fucking book is amazing." Cool. The movie's just not great, but like mainly because I loved that character so much in the book, and I say loved like she's the worst, but mm -hmm. like you're just like, "Oh fuck, you're such a good character," and then Bridget yeah. Fonda just fucked it up. Yeah. Oh, Bridget Fonda. But yeah, Bridget Fonda. It, 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 like, it, it's like a wildly different role, but like watching this, for some reason, I kept thinking about, because uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is in The Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino, you know, if you're into that, whatever. But she does an amazing job in that movie, and I feel like she was tapping into something similar uh, that she did in this movie. 
uh, to play her character then in The Hateful Eight. Uh, and that would make sense because Tarantino's such a film nerd. I'm sure he gave her reference where it's like, when you did that movie, do something like that here. So because, uh, yeah, she plays a totally unhinged, like repre- totally reprehensible character in The Hateful Eight that is like that feels like the older version of the character from this movie. So, you know. And I think the director is French. Like it says here, is a Franco dash Swiss movie director. Is Franco mean French? French? Yeah. He so that would mean that he is Swiss from Switzerland, but speaks French. I'm assuming. Okay. So it, and it, I could see it having that sort of sentiment here, right? Like that yeah. he doesn't feel that's because like the lighting. There's so many like blue tones, and it almost feels like a foreign. Like it makes yes. sense. I feel like it has like more than like hand that rocks the cradle feels so Americana. Like you yeah. said, like a lifetime movie, like what lifetime movies became. It, and I think that adds to the Cronenbergian sensibility. Cause I was going to say, I think that this movie single white female was shot in Canada. Uh, oh. And you know, Cronenberg of course was Canada's greatest export for a minute. So that would make sense that it's got that vibe. Cause I think it was shot in some of the same places he shot his movies early and movies. It, so how cool would it have been if it would have sort of turned like cam and she would have actually become her? Yes. As opposed some, to just yeah. be, like there would have been some. And I also thought like after, after Hetty kills Sam with the high heel and she walks out of the building and like the, the desk person is like, Oh, have a good night. Good evening. Miss whatever, Miss Jones or whatever, thinking that she, is mm-hmm. Bridget Fonda slash Allie. Like, I thought that was going to come back into play. Like, even this time watching, I couldn't remember. Like, do they come after her thinking she killed Sam? But that never comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Like, because that could have been a whole other thing storyline of like nope. them, like of her being accused of killing. She could have done all these horrible things as Allie, and Allie could have like been accused for them and like had to prove her innocence and all that. But it just never comes up. Mm hmm. I think that the fight and like the the sort of climax and this is much better than the climax in Hand That Rocks a Cradle. I just think it's more cinematic, more exciting, a little bit more. But like thought out. The thing that neither movie has, which shocks me because this trope was around before these movies, is the killer doesn't come back. Yeah. After each of the femme fatales are killed, they're just nope. dead. They're just There's dead in the no sp- popping back to life, which is such a shock. The end, and then the story's the over. End. Even this no. one, this one in particular, though, it feels like like after she got stabbed with a screwdriver like twice. Yeah, it feels like there should have been a cut to, and the body's gone at least a hundred percent to leave it open for like a sequel or something like that. Yeah, and I I read somewhere that like there was an original ending that audiences did not like, but I couldn't find out what that ending was, and I don't. So I, I wonder if it was that. something like that. I would be very curious to read this book and see what it's like, what it's like, how it differs, because I feel like a lot of the choices here were around what the movie, you know, what the big studios wanted it to be. Yeah. I'll also. Uh, before we get to rating these two, uh, I also feel like I had a situation watching this movie because my wife wanted to see this really bad. So she okay. watched it with me. Oh, OK. She hadn't and, seen it before. No. Oh, my and, God. And she fucking hated it because when it was over, <laughs> she was like, that movie was horrible. Um, and so I think partially I was, you know, I think you've talked about this watching stuff with your husband, where I think I was taking on some of that energy, too. So I may not have been as uh, 
receptive as I could have been had I sat down myself just watching this. So. Sure. So yeah, that's uh, that's where we are. And Enigma plays when she goes to the S and M club. Yeah. You, is Enigma? Do you know them? Is that before your time? No, I mean, it's before your time. But you know, it's before them. my time. But I know them because that oh music God. has been used to death in a bunch of other stuff too. Like so. Sliver, I think Enigma played a big, yep. and I think Basic Instinct had to have come out right around this time too. Yes, which I think is it another. Did. Let's see, Basic Instinct, nineteen ninety-two. I don't know the date because I'm in here. But like these movies were rampant. Mm-hmm. Wild women killing people. Yep. Also, it, that felt like a thing in the '90s too, where they're like, "Let's get an S and M club in there." <laughs> like, I feel like that was not uncommon to have the the seedy underground club uh, location at some point. But I thought that um, Sliver was one of the first movies where I saw like a naked man because there you definitely see that in there. But I oh this came out in between so I mean mm. sorry Basic Instinct came out in between the two of these movies that we're talking okay. about today and it came out in March. There um, you go. But I totally forgot that you see Stephen Weber's Weber's penis here, and even mm-hmm. Joe in the beginning was asking me if the neighbor was um was gay, and I was like I think so, but I don't remember. He had to have been one of the first gay characters, yeah, that I saw like in a movie, and mm-hmm. I, I mean we spoilers all over the place, but he doesn't die. Which yeah, is great. Oh yeah, that's a that's he doesn't a, actually get killed. No, that was something I thought was good because it's like, oh, thank you know, one it, somebody lives, you know, like one of the because usually that's that's the kind of can, cannon fodder character is any any sort of uh, you know the gay character or the black character are always going to get killed, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, but they broke the trend already. Like back then, I thought that was forward thinking of them. And also in both movies, ultimately, it is the women being attacked that kill the villain, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't yes. Annabella, Shura, even though, like, you know, um, Ernie Hudson's character and the daughter help sort of yes. take Peyton but down. She, but she she's does the it. one who deals the final blow, pushing her out the window. And here it's Bridget Fonda, even though, you know, Graham comes to her rescue at a certain point. Yeah. Like, it is Bridget Fonda slash Allie who takes her down. Yes. And I think under- that's important to moving things forward that it's not a man that comes and saves. Yeah, she they weren't they weren't saved, you know. Yeah. There's a yeah. heroine. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. I like too. Well, fun. Anything else you want to say about single white female? No, I think that's it on this All one. Right. Well, out of five bloody stiletto heels, this how many one, do you give single white female? This one I give a two and a half. Oh, I'm gonna give it a three and a half. Oh, that <laughs> means we have a split scream. That's a split scream ripping oh, in half. Boy. It's been a minute. We get to use that sound effect. It's been a minute. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. That has been a minute. Wow. Because yeah, All I right. like this one more. I yeah. what I think is I mean, so much of both of these movies is just rooted in my nostalgia, which we've talked about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and that is powerful. Nostalgia is so powerful. Because these are my formative years for sure. Absolutely. So, but I'm I'm glad to have watched them because they're such they're huge pop culture rep. Even the hand that rocks the cradle, like I know that title and it lives in my brain like ominously, uh, as like, oh, you know, it's scary. Uh so having seen it now, it's cool to connect all those dots, close that circle. Now, along these same lines, have you seen Fear with Marky Mark? I feel like I have, with, but... It's him and Reese Witherspoon, and he's like an abusive boyfriend. 
Yeah, I think I've seen it. There's a very pivotal scene that takes place on a um, merry-go-round. No, not a, mer- a Ferris wheel. Okay. I feel like you would remember. I f- oh, you're, I you're, you're, you're shaking something loose in my brain. So. What about the crush with Alicia Silverstone? That I haven't seen. Okay, well, we know what my birthday is next year. Yeah, add those <laughs> on there. Like, because Fear, Fear is a movie, like, I feel like I've... Maybe I haven't seen the whole thing, but I know that I've seen like bits and pieces of it, like on HBO growing up. So, oh, yeah, because that came out in 96. Oh, my God. I did not think it was that late in life. Mm -hmm. And the crush came out in 93. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Okay, well, I already know. We already know what's going to happen a year from now. Yep. Next year. (laughs) Mark it down. All right. Well, we'd love to hear what you think of these movies and anything else. We just love hearing from you. So write to yeah. us, scaring or sharing at gmail.com or false and insta, scaring or sharing. All one word. That's right. What a good time, Jeremy. Thank Great. you for spending my my early birthday with me. Absolutely. And I just can't imagine life without you. I had so much fun with you at the wedding. We're going to have so many more fun experiences, dancing and being crazy. Oh, we will. And I'm just grateful for you. You're a great, a great gift. You're a In great my gift. I mean, this this whole thing is a great gift. And just, you know, this is just so much damn fun to keep doing this. So uh, I can't wait to do. I can't wait till your birthday next year when we talk about fear <laughs> and the crush. So that's right. Well, we've traced the call and it's coming from inside the house. Oh, my God. Keep watching the skies and keep watching those scary movies and talking about them because scaring is sharing. Bye. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.